0: Instead of going out to the bars, you played softball on the top of a 3,700-foot mountain, the Catskills. Yeah, That's pretty sweet. <laughs> Anything else?
1: I, I do have one crazy story, but I'm, I'm really hoping that your listeners um, don't recognize themselves. Tom and I were leaving, leading a 3,500-club hike to Hunter Mountain. And on the summit of the mountain, one of the hike participants asked me a question, which really <laughs> made me step back a moment. It seems that he had lost his pet goldfish very recently. And um, he thought he his final resting place should be the summit of Hunter Mountain. And so he asked me if he could, if it would be okay if he buried his goldfish up there. <laughs> and. And I, I didn't really know how to answer that. I mean, I don't know how many times the goldfish had come to the summit of Hunter with him. Yeah. Why he wanted it there, I don't know. But that was that was kind of a bizarre um, question.
0: This this was an adult.
1: It was an adult.
0: <laughs> okay. I think I could see a nine year old kid doing that, but <laughs> not an adult. Oh man. Interesting. Did you just be like, like uh, leave no trace? But you know, R.I.P. Wherever you go in the you could look down and imagine glaciers below you. I think the weather challenges on this incident were particularly
1: difficult. Whereas Kansas Mountain is totally opposite. It's a mountain on top of a crater.
2: It was really the development of New York State. Catskills were responsible. Yeah.
0: Welcome to Inside the Line, the Catskills. So, how's it going, guys? Good?
1: It's going good.
0: Yeah, well. Good. So, yeah. So um, did you guys hear about the, the right rescue up in the Adirondacks, the Singapore man? I did. Isn't that crazy?
1: It was crazy. I am very glad that he uh, at, did one thing well, and that was leaving his itinerary with someone at home.
0: Yeah, so exactly. That
1: they knew he was in trouble.
0: So, yeah, for those who didn't know, Forest Ranger rescued a man in Singapore, from Singapore last week who had be missing from the Adirondack for days. I think they calculated three days. The 58-year-old man had last been in contact with his wife back in Singapore on the evening of Sunday, June 19th. On Wednesday morning, Rangers found the man's rental car in the Elk Lake parking area, and he had signed in the trailhead register, which is like what Lori said. You sign in, this will help you a lot. Uh, yeah. But he didn't sign out. So 11 forest rangers searched throughout the Dix range, which is a pretty crappy range. Uh, It's beautiful, but crappy. Assuming that the man was off trail at uh, 250 on Wednesday, a ranger found the missing hiker in a swamping area. Uh, This is gets interesting. According to state officials, the man's face was covered in bug bites. His pants were tattered and his boots were falling apart. And the man was finally helped out of the swamp and uh, evaluated by Shroon Lake EMS. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that. and I was just like, oh, wow, that's that's pretty uh, interesting stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like I said, I I really felt in a way that he was lucky. I mean, he must have told someone back home uh, about renting the car and at least uh, a bit about his destination and expectations of return. Uh, There was certainly a long period of time before they started looking, but at least it was a start. And again, that signing in at the register. All those things sure helped the rangers because I think he was lucky.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. Especially in the Adirondacks. How far is, uh, if he's in the Dix range, how far is he away from any uh, source of civilization?
1: Oh, my because goodness. Of, I mean, it depends on where he was. He could have gone a long ways, east or west, and not seen it so, so
0: Yeah. It's crazy. Um, there was also something in uh, the Catskills. Uh, a man, 61-year-old man from Long Island fell down the Embankment of the Catterskill Rail Trail, I didn't know about this, fell 30 feet, and he had no memory of the fall, which is which is pretty crazy, uh, severe rib pain and broken wrist, and Ranger Gilliam was joined by Rangers Alwyn, Dawson, and Martin to set up a steep angle raise using a sked and vacuum mattresses, which is pretty wicked, I can't believe that, that's way crazy, um, and he was raised back to the trail, so that was, uh, I didn't hear about that until like last night, actually.
2: No, I hadn't heard about it either.
0: Yeah, I I didn't know. I'm going to have to look into that vacuum master. It's for the SAR team. That's pretty, that's pretty fun. Yeah, I
1: thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, so excellent. Well, going over a little uh, rescue stuff. So welcome, Lori and Tom. How are you tonight? Welcome to the episode. I think it's 39 of awesome. Inside the Line. So thank you for joining me. My friends, Laurie and Tom are here. Big time hikers in the Catskills, the Adirondacks, the Whites, correct, too?
2: yeah you name it
1: yeah we've done the
0: piece uh, 115 oh yeah yana said you're uh a winter 115er right
2: we
1: are yes we are
0: one in uh, the, like 98 correct
2: uh something like that
1: yeah pretty small numbers. It
2: creeps up a little every year
0: <laughs> crazy yeah just a little bit though that's that is crazy so um thank you for joining me um I'd like to thank the monthly subscribers, Darren White and John Comiskey. Thank you, Ferreira, Jim C., Michael Bogner, Alec Bettencourt, and Sarah Bacon. Thank you guys very much for contributing to the show. I am having tonight a Coke and uh, Rev Spirits from Stanford. Very good stuff.
1: Oh, I have to have that.
0: Yeah. You get it at that five o'clock somewhere liquor store in Stanford. It's very good.
2: I have to check it out.
0: Yeah. Um, you guys having anything or suggest anything?
2: Well, I've got a keg of uh, Avenue of the Pines IPA from uh, Northway Brewing. I'm not drinking it right now, but I had it with dinner.
0: Excellent, Avenue of the Pines, correct?
2: Yes, they also make a a session IPA, Sunrise Session. Excellent as well.
0: I'll put that in the show notes. Excellent, and Lori, you're having a you showed me before a good old cup of water.
1: I'm just having a glass of water this evening, but uh, if, if it was just a little bit warmer, my uh, drink of choice this evening would have been cucumber vodka Ooh. with some cranberry lime seltzer and a little cranberry juice. Very mm. refreshing.
0: Especially on the hot days. It was, it was just, just oh, a muggy yeah. day today. Yeah. It was very, very odd. Um, but it's been like that the past couple of days and it died down tonight. It feels really good out there. Yeah, especially with you guys, you guys got the mountains around you, so you probably got a little cooler. Yeah, so we always
1: have a nice breeze
2: too. Yeah, we usually subtract five degrees from
0: whatever it says in uh Binghamton. Oh, wow, yeah, that's a hell of a difference! (laughs) Yeah, excellent. So, uh, I want to promote once again the 3500 Trailhead Stewards. Uh, if you guys want to be a trailhead steward, check it out. I have the links in every one of my. Uh, podcast ever since it started. Uh, Very fun, very cool. We're going to talk about being stewards tonight with Lauren and Tom because they're very big stewards of the Catskills and of uh, the Adirondacks and of New York State, actually, in several different ways. So it'll be great to talk about that. Also, check out the Catskills Trail Crew. Does trail maintenance all around the Catskills. Very awesome trail maintenance, cleaning out water bars, making new bridges, stuff like that. Uh, putting down rocks they've done a great job and they've done a lot of work here in the Catskills and I appreciate their work I also heard about this I don't know if you guys heard about this that the improved uh the trail rail access in uh Shandaken have you heard about that nope okay so excellent so Ulster County received nearly four million dollars for an improved trail access in Shandaken um an executive uh in Ulster County um received 3.696 million from New York State to convert 2.5 miles of the Old Ulster and Delaware Railroad Corridor to a multi-use trail with pedestrian bridges. Uh, the funding will be used to promote environmental-friendly modes of travel in, on the corridor from the high Mount Bel Air Beach to the town of Shandaken. It says to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and uh, once completed, the project will improve connectivity, air quality, and public access. So, That'll be some cool stuff. I I remember doing some bushwhacks behind there and uh, that is a pretty unique area. Yes, it is. And it's very historic. So uh, that'll be some really cool stuff, especially with the great Delaware and Ulster Railroad that uh, brought basically America alive. <laughs> really.
1: Yeah, it really connected the Catskills for, for yeah. sure.
0: All right. So We're going to do a quick little session of Catskills history. You guys down with that? Yes. Okay. So I read read these books all the time and I found a cool little two paragraph thing from John Burroughs book called In the Catskills. Uh, It's a little essay that he wrote. So this is taken from his, his book. Time for fence building is usually between seed time and harvest, May and June, or in the fall after the crops are gathered. The work has its picturesque features of the prying rocks, supple forms of climbing or swinging from the end of great levers or the blasting of rocks with powder, the hauling of them into position with oxen and horses or with both, the picking of stone from the greenswald, the bending athletic forms of the wall layers, the stug new fence creeping slowly up the hill or across the field, absorbing the windrow of loose stones. And when the work is done, much ground reclaimed, the plow in the grass and the strong berry erected. It is a common complaint that the farm and farm life are not appreciated by our people. We long for the more elegant pursuits or ways and fashions of the town, but the farmer has the most sane and natural occupation and ought to be found a life sweeter, if less highly seasoned than any other. He alone, strictly speaking, has a, a home. How can a man take root and thrive without land? He writes his history upon his field. How many ties, how many resources he has, his friendship with his cattle, his team, his dog, his trees, the satisfaction in his growing crops, in his improved fields, his intimacy with nature, with bird and beast, and with the quickening of elemental forces, his cooperation with the clouds, the sun, the seasons, heat, wind, rain, and frost. Nothing will take various social distempers, which the city and artificial life breed out of men farming, like direct and loving contact with the soil. It draws out the poison, humbles him, teaches him patience and reverence, and restores proper tone in this system. Cool stuff. And we can relate to these stone walls all over the Catskills. Very historic markers all over the Catskills. You guys probably run into them all the time when you're doing your awesome hikes and bushwhacks that you always do.
2: We still have some on our property. Yes.
0: And that's, uh, that's a historic Route Because that connected uh, Stanford and then uh, Stanford-Oneyana to Roxbury, right? And we're down in Roxbury, right?
1: Yeah. If the, uh, you know, the uh, current uh, rail trail, uh, Catskill Scenic Rail Trail, it ends about five miles from our house. If it were to continue, it would come right by our home. Our property borders the actual railroad bed. Oh, wow.
0: That's pretty neat.
1: And it, it heads from Bloomville into East Meredith as it goes by us. Wow.
0: That's crazy. Um, Can you see, you can still see remnants from the old trail?
1: Oh, yes, we can for certain. Uh, One of the most interesting things is that we have, we have an old creamery about a half a mile from us. And one of the interesting things to me anyway, is walking on the uh, railroad track when we Mm -hmm. first moved here, I saw something shimmering and it was a pile of broken milk bottles because they they couldn't take a chance on their milk you know being placed in a cracked or broken chipped milk bottle and so they had a a dump a bottle dump uh very near the creamery where they just threw the bottles out and they they smashed them hard so yeah. <laughs> they were completely broken and there is a significantly large number of them
0: wow that's yeah, of course that's abandoned right yes it is how do you, have you found any history of when it was actually like ended?
1: Uh, no, I, I actually have not looked into that, but my understanding is that the train was still coming through here um, in the fifties and possibly even through the sixties. Wow.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome stuff. I love the history in the Catskills. It never ends. It seriously never ends. No. <laughs> All right, so I'd like to welcome my guests of the night uh, to the show, Lori and Tom Rankin. Let's go! Lori and Tom are longtime Catskill hikers. uh, Natives, are you guys from here?
2: I am. I was mostly raised in the Hudson Valley, and I'm um, a redneck in training, as I call it now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I wouldn't say that, but... But yeah, Catskill native hikers, hikers around the the East Coast and uh, pretty much everywhere. And fire tower advocates, which is great fire tower leaders, I would say, of New York State. So very big influence on the fire tower projects we have here. So welcome, Tom and Lori. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah. So uh, why don't you guys uh, give a little background uh, on yourself real quick? How about Lori? We'll go with you first.
1: So, so I was actually born and raised uh, just outside of Margaretville, where my father was the observer at Balsam Lake Mountain Fire Tower. So uh, he had to work every weekend, and as a, a young girl, when I was attending school, was the only time that Dad had a day off. So on a weekend, we often went to work with him, and that was quite common for most of the observers' families, actually, to join them for a period of time on the mountain. So. I was very quickly uh, introduced to the forest as a child and uh, mountaintop views. And, uh, you know, if there was anything that an observer did, an observer was a steward of the land and took great care of it. And so I, that was kind of um, impressed upon me as a youngster. And uh, I didn't really begin a passion for myself as, as hiking and spending time in the forest until after I had kids. And then I couldn't wait to show them the same things that my dad had shown me. And so I did a lot of camping with my kids. And uh, once they graduated from high school, then I really decided I needed something to do uh, to fill my time. And that was when I set my sights on climbing those Catskill Mountains that I had been looking at for years from Balsam Lake. And uh, so began my peak bagging career. <laughs> and uh, along with hiking the trails and checking off lists, I also was keenly aware of all that went on behind the scenes to make the trails stay in good shape, to clean up the trash, etc. So I also found out all of the different opportunities that were out there, in and manners in which I could help. And so it didn't take me long to start doing things like joining the 3500 Club for. Um, there are trail maintenance weeks, excuse me, weekends um, to do litter pickup, uh, to sit on the board of directors. Um, those those kinds of things came uh, pretty quickly after I started hiking, and I'm I'm still doing that today in uh, whatever capacity steps across my desk. I have a hard time saying no. Tom says, um, yeah. <laughs> So I am still very involved, um, both in the Catskills and the Adirondacks and, uh, certainly very involved with fire towers currently president of the Adirondack 46ers. I am a trailhead steward in both the Catskills and in the Adirondacks. Um, I, uh, do litter pickup or trail maintenance in both locations whenever I can. And, um, I am the New York State Director for the Forest Fire Lookout Association, which I think we'll talk a bit about later, and uh, that m- has me involved in fire towers throughout the state. And I get to and, and I get to hike sometimes. <laughs> uh, Tom and I are still pursuing lists, which I'm pleased to do, and uh, we also get to um, introduce our grandchildren to to the hiking world.
0: Wow. That is a, an amazing background. I didn't know you were 46 for president. Yes. Wow. Well, then I'll have to ask you a question afterwards.
2: <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh>. okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing vague. So Tom, what about you, sir?
2: Well, uh, I was born in uh, Western Pennsylvania. I've always lived near the woods. I guess I didn't live in the woods like Lori did. <laughs> hmm. But uh, same. My, my parents moved us out to the Hudson Valley when I was young and I spent the rest of my time growing up there after college, I worked for IBM for 40 years and, then they asked me to come back part-time. So now I've been back for about eight months. Yeah. I remember you telling me that. Yep. Cool. So that's, that's keeping me, I'll say half busy. I started hiking in the late nineties and looking at uh some of the things I've accomplished now, I, I I guess I'm amazed at what I've accomplished. Not not patting myself on the back, but <laughs> when, when I first heard about people like 46ers, I thought, oh, those people must be like marathon runners or, you know, people like that. And those winter 46ers, those, those are just crazy people, you know. <laughs> but yep. I just kept going and kept getting uh, the gear and the experience and uh Conditioning and so forth, and uh, before I knew it, I was one of those crazy people.
0: You're also former 3,500 president, correct?
2: Yes, uh, I, I became president of the club around uh, 2014. Uh, I'd have to do the math in my head, but there's been several presidents after me now. Suffice it to say, that that gig uh, was was I guess uh, I liked some of it and I didn't like some of it. Right? I'm I'm more of a doer than yep. a politician um same yeah um it i don't know i don't need to talk much about that i guess
0: yeah yeah it's all good so so excellent and you are uh are you basically by Lori's side all the time with her doing all this stuff you're just like i'll help you out any way possible
2: uh mostly i'm not actually on this on the stewards programs Lori's doing that herself
0: But you're always there. I always see you there.
1: He, uh, he is my support staff for sure.
0: (laughs) I'm her webmaster.
1: And he is definitely the webmaster of everything. Nice.
0: (laughs) Yes. And uh, I really do thank both of you for, for what you do. Number one and number two for Tom, you are a very good poster on, on the uh, Aspire and 3,500 members is really good stuff and really helpful stuff. That'll, Aspire people, inspire people to do the right thing and to take the right path and stuff like that. So I love I love seeing your stuff and it's, it's great.
2: Well, that's good. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So when did you guys uh, start hiking together? Well, uh, well hiking, well, when did you start hiking in the Catskills really? I mean, Lori, you were right off the bat basically.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I already mentioned the late nineties, but uh, okay. we were uh, first started hiking together when we weren't together. <laughs> yep. We, mm-hmm. we did a hike to uh, Levitt.
1: A club hike.
2: Yeah. We were, nice. we were both married to other people. And eventually we weren't married to those people. And I uh, bumped into her at the Denning Trailhead. And she was actually, uh, we weren't even supposed to hike together, but we ended up hiking together for a while. And we actually split up that day because she was with another person finishing a Different list, I guess. Yeah, I met some guys from Albany, and we did uh, Lone and Rocky, which we just did recently. Nice. So we started chatting online, and uh, then I made her what I what I call a foolish bet, but it turned out good. I'll I'll explain.
1: Well, I've got to back this up before we go to the bet and say that I was (laughs) I was a hike leader at the time for the club, and. And he signed up for one of my hikes. And uh, that's, that's where there was a bet.
2: <laughs> that was after the bet was, was won or lost. Anyway, at least I, that, that's how I remember it. I might be wrong because there's a woman Of course, behind. of course. <laughs> so <laughs> I bet her that the uh, Patriots would lose the Super Bowl, which looking back on it now is, is pretty much always a bad idea. <laughs> and I, I don't even remember who they were playing, but the, the winner had to uh, pay for a weekend in the Adirondacks, and this was winter time. So I lost, but you know, I got a wife out of the deal eventually. Aww. Our first, day, our <laughs> first true date was uh, Colden. It was about oh. ten below zero, <laughs> and we hiked around from the backside to make it more interesting, I guess. So even though it was 10 below zero, I still tell people it was a hot date. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's because I was in good shape back then, and we were breaking trail, and I had him sweating.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. <clears throat> well, I did I did produce some of my magic, as she calls it. We were just about to get to uh, Marcy, Dam. Marcy Dam, and I heard chickadees tweeting or chirping or whatever they do. And <clears throat> I said, oh let's get out some, some snacks, some morsels. They'll, they'll eat right out of our hand. And she's like, no way, that's impossible. So sure enough, I have a picture of her feeding the chickadees out of her hand. Wow. And uh, she thought I had magic powers from that point on. <laughs> and our wedding invitation has that same photograph on there. And we ended up getting married on top of whiteface. And just a couple of days ago, Well, back the bus up 15 years. Yeah. But it's been a lot of views and a lot of brews and a lot of good times.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing that picture online, and that was fantastic. Yeah, I was just like, oh, did you guys – of course, you probably hiked up, correct?
2: No, we didn't want to risk Uh, uh, twisting an ankle and not making it to the top, you know?
0: Right, or or looking at the top, the pictures be, like, all sweaty.
2: Yes. Yes. A a lot of people hiked. Some people drove. You know, it was – it was a, a collection of friends and family and hikers and you
1: know. Our wedding attire was our 46er t-shirts, though.
2: Sweet. Sweet. So cool.
0: That is so cool. I love the the smiles. It's so good. Yeah. It's so cute. Awesome. Thank you. That was that was fantastic. So you guys are say your peak baggers. So um what have you accomplished? Of course, you're ers 46ers, what else?
2: Well, uh, we've done the winter, winter 115, as well as the summer 115, which is all the 4,000 footers in the entire Northeast. Um, we've done the Catskill 100 highest together. Then the Saranac Sixer. The New England Lake 100 Presid highest. Niner, yeah, the New England 100 highest. Um, let's just say we have over 100 patches. I can't remember what all of them are offhand.
0: <laughs> wow. you got to be kidding me. <laughs>
1: No, we, we, actually, we actually have found that um, it, it really does inspire us in many ways to have a list. It also gives us a reason to explore new areas. Um, yeah. Of course, uh, much of what we have done um, is centered around New York State and the Northeast, but we've also done some uh, state high-pointing. I believe we're up to 26. Oh, sorry. 30, 31. I forgot oh, wow. our last trip. Uh, State high points. And uh, so we we do a little exploring around other parts of the United States as well.
0: Where, what's the highest point uh, have you been? Your highest elevation? Uh,
1: 14,000 footers out in Colorado would be the wow. highest.
0: Crazy, crazy, crazy. So fun.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow. Excellent. So you guys are crazy all over the place. I didn't, I didn't know that you guys went all over the place. So that's, that's awesome. 30 out of what? 49. Are you guys doing all 50 states? Uh, we'll never do all
2: 50.
1: No, nah, we're getting a little, we're aging out of some of those.
0: <laughs> I don't think so. You guys are like flying all over the mountains. You guys are doing <laughs> so much hikes. I mean, where all these where a lot of these patches and stuff, after you guys retired when you had more time or you guys just do this on the weekend? Like, like everybody I know, I know everybody does it on the weekend somehow.
2: Well, we actually don't hike as much on weekends now, especially when uh, lots of people were out during COVID. Um,
1: But yes, we did do a lot of these while we were working.
2: Um, Some of them are fairly easy to to acquire. Some of them aren't obviously, you know, there's some you can get in a day and there's some that takes months or years.
1: I would also very honestly say that uh, we have truly been blessed with good health. And so sick leave at work is sometimes um, I, I say uh, <clears throat> utilized for the 3000 foot virus. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. <laughs> it is. I will be. Well, well, you know, you, you kind of, you wake up in the morning and you can't really put your finger on what's not right, but you're not feeling well. And, and, And you know, the only way to cure that is to phone work and say, I'm sorry, I will not be in today. I'm not feeling well. And then you must climb somewhere above 3000 feet. And, and that's the cure. So
0: I think I'll be the only one in my uh, job that would use that. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I I don't know if that'll go well with them. Yeah. (laughs) I could I could use my search and rescue volunteer excuse. There, I'm just there like, you oh go. sorry, I gotta I gotta go on a rescue. Somebody called me. I'm sorry. That's
2: right. That's <laughs> Wow,
0: well, you guys are are like I I knew you guys did a lot, but I didn't I can't I can't accumulate in my mind of how you guys get up to the like the whites on a weekend and do like three or four. And then it's just like coordinating everything is just a a, a it hurts my brain. I just can't believe some people like from here have done that and from other places as well. That's just crazy.
2: Well, we usually make that a, a multi-day trip. I mean, we don't, almost, we almost never go even to the Adirondacks for just a day and certainly not the whites.
1: We, we would actually though, um, over time, we met, we made a lot of friends in New England and uh, oftentimes we would go and stay with them. And uh, we would actually leave work on a Friday and and, uh, drive up there. We learned the best routes to go. And um, we would hike on Saturday and Sunday and come home Sunday. We did a lot of the uh, Vermont peaks coming back on a Sunday afternoon. So we were like, (laughs) we would be like halfway there driving and then climb and then halfway on home, you know, the other half home. So it did take some logistics and planning, but we actually like that kind of stuff.
2: And there were some failures, too, especially in the winter. <clears throat> oh, yeah. When, when you wake up and it's 10 degrees below zero in Maine and the wind is howling and the snow is blowing, sometimes the best thing to do is either nothing or just go home.
0: Yeah. Wow. You guys probably got some crazy story and we're going to save that. OK. Um, so, so what's uh, what's your favorite hike in the Catskills just uh, off the top of your head?
1: I I can tell you what mine is, and that is it's the last mountain I was on. And it's that way every time. Uh, To me, it never gets old being out there. We were at Balsam Lake uh, stewarding on Monday. Uh, We got to see a bear on the way up. Um, He was getting a drink out of the spring. Um, We got to see um, a number of really wonderful visitors fantastic views from the fire tower on on monday um and and that was just an absolutely fabulous hike um been there hundreds of times and it just simply does not get old
0: i agree
2: tom you um i'm i'm kind of like that i i I tell people when laurie isn't listening my Favorite mountain is uh, Hunter, but when she is listening, it's Balsam Lake. <laughs> and they, 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 Hunter has views in every direction, you know. It's it's in the middle of the Catskills, you know, no matter where yeah. you see a Catskill mountain. Balsam Lake is different because it's right on the edge of the high peak. So you look in one direction and there's a lot of the high peaks spread out right in front of you. But if you turn around, there's none and it's just rolling hills behind you. So it has that perspective. Mm. So
0: I guess I gave you two answers. Nice. Hey, Hunter, I got to admit, a lot of people underestimate the, the fire tower view from Hunter. And you're right. It gives you so many high peaks uh, views. And that look down Spruxton Valley when you're on the sunset is is one of the unbeatable places for a sunset. I agree. And I've, I've got to go. I seriously, every year I say I got to go up with you guys to light into the fire towers to see that up there i gotta go at night but i mean i've been uh when that happened i was at mount U. Uh, i wasn't in the fire tower but you know and then we got to see i know we didn't see we went to giant ledge but we got to see overlook yeah tremper and i don't know you can't see red hill but we got Overlook and tremper it was pretty cool so yeah. i gotta go up to, with you guys to that because that's a cool I, I admit that's that's an amazing event
1: yes yes we like that I'll tell you, the, um, <clears throat> one of our favorites, though, truly is to go to Hunter uh, for the sunset, because if you go up on the Devil's Path and you, you go up in the daylight, you enjoy the sunset, maybe, maybe you have a, um, a snack and a cold beverage um, while you're enjoying the sunset, and then you go back down Becker Hollow, that section of 214 on the road walk back to your car is complete dark skies. There are no, there's no houses there. There's no streetlights there. So when you do that uh, sunset on a clear evening, you also can really hit some dark skies and see beautiful stars.
0: Interesting. That's it. And, and it's, and it's not as long as the descent down to uh Spruceton as well. Yeah. Spruceton cover four miles. So, and then Becker hollow, even though it's steep, it's still only like two miles of down. That's yep. correct. It's a good point. I'll have to go to Diamond, uh, not Diamond Notch, uh, Notch Lake and get some uh, nighttime pictures there. Yes. I never never thought of that because you're right in between both of the uh, the mountains. So it's massively dark. Yes. Cool. Very nice. Excellent. So with all your hiking experience, I always ask people this because they come up with amazing stories and I've never had a time of where I've been a close call. Have you guys ever had close calls while out on the trail?
1: I would... I have two that come to mind. When you when you told me you were going to ask us this question, um, one that came to my mind was uh, an Adirondack hike. When Tom and I were doing our winters, we were often staying at a small B&B in Newcomb. And we uh, arrived one evening quite late. And we did not tell the um, owners of the b b what our plans were for the next day, because we had arrived so late. The next morning, we left very early, and it was very cold. It was below zero. And we drove into Upper Works, and our goal for the day was Cliff Mountain. And because it was so cold, and it was just the two of us, you know, you kind of, when you start out on one of those cold days, you have to get a uh, the right layering of clothes, the right pace so that you're, you're warm enough, but you're not too warm. And, and Tom and I were, were struggling a little bit as we were getting started to, to get to that space. And about that time, Tom said, hear the robins singing. And I immediately thought, oh, my goodness hear the robin singing in February, it's below zero. He is very hypothermic. I've got to try to convince him to get out of here. And then as I was trying to decide how to do that, I heard the robins singing. And in fact, it was a year when there were a number of um, mountain ash berries and robins had stayed to eat them. These robins were fluffed up like chicken size. And, oh wow. And they were singing all around.
2: And we have pictures so, to prove
1: it. So we, we continued on our trek to Cliff Mountain that um, was uh, slow going because of the cold. There was deep snows as we climbed. And finally Tom says, Oh, we're here at last. And it was about three o'clock in the afternoon by then. And we had we'd been on the trail since six in the morning. And I said, No, we're not. We still have we're on the false summit. We still have to get to the real summit. And um, we decided to turn back. Wow. And um, we turned back with our heads down, dejected. Uh, It was dark, of course, by 5 o'clock. It's pitch black. We still had miles to go. Uh, At at one point, you know, we're both thinking, why do we want to do this terrible nonsense (laughs) of winter 46-ing? And we got back out to the car looked up and saw these magnificent stars. And we said, okay, all's right with the world again. We started down the Upper Works Road and soon saw headlights coming our way, which is unusual. And um, then flashing lights came on and it turned out to be the forest ranger. And he um, rolled down his window and Tom rolled down the window. And he said, are you Tom Rankin? (laughs) We immediately thought, oh my gosh, something's happened at home. And he said, Tom said, well, yes, why? And, and he said, well, because uh, the people from the B&B, because you weren't back and it was so cold, called me to come out and look for you.
2: <laughs>
1: so um, the ranger was very glad he did not have to get out of his warm truck. And Tom and I were very glad that the people at the B&B cared enough to, to do something like that and that the ranger cared enough to come out. Um, So that was somewhat of a close call, just just because of the way our minds were thinking. But I don't know that we've really had close calls other than
2: that. There's been one or two times when we were uh, out in the winter and walking along a a ledge and hoping we didn't fall over, you know, but I don't know if that was quite uh, anything that we would have died if we plunged over, you know. Um, wow.
1: No, I'm, no saying, I'm
2: anything. I'm saying that that I, I don't think any anything like that has ever been too scary. But uh, let's see.
1: Well perhaps when we were climbing we were climbing in Maine to Saddleback Mountain and Sugarloaf Mountain and um, no not saddleback, what was it?
2: Saddleback and the horn, right?
1: No, it was the Sugarloaf Ski Center.
0: Sure. I forgot what the other one's called. It starts with an A, right? No, this was Sugarloaf. I know what she
1: means. Oh, Spalding. That was the one. Sugarloaf.
2: They let us go up the ski slopes, and that's fine until you get to Treeline, and the winds were just crazy. So we almost ran across the top of the summit back to Treeline and went over to Spalding and came back. And on the way back, the winds were even worse, but thank God there was like an abandoned building up there. We ducked in for a while. But one of our hiking partners noticed that Lori was getting frostbite on her face. Oh wow! They're actually putting their hands on her face, you know, the laying on of hands, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Warm her face up. Yeah. And it was, it was a good thing that building was there because we would we still had a long way to go to get to the other side of yeah. tree line.
1: Yeah, we were thankful that day that that was there, that shelter.
2: And what, so, something blew away, right?
1: Oh, Nicole's snowshoe blew off.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so weird. the Snowshoe blew right off.
1: I, I caught it as it flew by. Um, and the, reason the wind blew it? I, yes, yeah. yes. And, and wow. the, reason, the reason why my face was so bad was that I was wearing goggles that had gotten all fog. You have to be completely covered, of course, in that kind of weather. And my, um, my goggles had gotten all fogged over, so I couldn't see. They just froze right over. And so I had pulled them up so I could see that last little bit across the summit. And instantly I had frozen, you know, eyelashes and eyebrows and everything because I'd had moisture and that's why they immediately covered my face to warm it when I got in. So it was kind of a close call.
2: I guess I uh, believe it or not on little cascade, if you want to call him little, right? He's 4,000 footer, but, People think Cascade is very easy. Well, I went up in the winter, and again, it was an extremely windy day. A tree fell over while I was hiking up the trail. It didn't come anywhere near me, but it kind of spooked me, you know. Mm -hmm. And then when I got above treeline, the wind was just so bad I had to crawl to the top. And my snowshoes were actually acting like sails, right? They were dragging my feet. You know, I could almost not control my feet. I had to keep my snowshoes like in the lee, of the wind and it, basically i was like flitting from boulder to boulder and, and looking undercover right? well i finally got out of there and i decided all right, i'll go over to porter it's it's mostly in the trees right so i got over to porter no problem And then coming back there was a tree that wasn't across the trail two minutes ago it was across the trail now a big ass tree pardon my french and so I had just missed that blowdown, but again, yeah, those it it, it you know it wasn't something that wasn't going to take me out, but thankfully it missed me.
0: Yeah, those times when you're when you're in with the wind and you can hear those trees and you're just like, is this going to crack or not? You're just always looking up, and it's 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 very scary. Like I I, I haven't dealt with with that stuff before. I've never, which I want to though. I am one of those guys that likes to go out in the middle of dead winter at negative five degrees and 25 degrees below zero. And just, it's just, I don't know. It's maybe it's, it makes you feel alive more alive. So I got to get up to the Adirondacks every story that everybody says that they're close calls or they've had a crazy times have been above treeline in the Adirondacks.
1: Yes. That is one thing we don't have in the Catskills is that above treeline experience, but But I think the Catskills is is a wonderful training ground for so much in terms of hiking. I mean, we have some really rugged trails. We also Mm. have some significant uh, elevation gains (coughs) to deal with. And depending upon how you put things together, some really long lengthy hikes. And our rocks
2: are slipperier.
1: Oh yes. The footing is difficult in the Catskills. So I think, I think you learn a lot in the cat skills with the exceptions of that above tree line experience.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna so for my birthday, my 26th birthday, I'm gonna do hopefully uh if it's all goes well, Phelps and Marcy. Oh nice is, is what I wanna do. I'm gonna camp at Marcy Dam or around there mm-hmm. on a Tuesday, not on the weekend. Yeah. So so I'll get a spot at least and then do. Phelps and then Marcy, or maybe Marcy then Phelps. Just in case, I just want to summit Marcy. So,
1: yeah. take take the best weather day. That's how that's how you decide on Marcy.
0: That's what that's what everybody told me, and and the thing is, is like, you know, I might have to use that three thousand feet elevation excuse.
1: Yes, that's a possibility, but you will <laughs> feel much better once you get above three thousand. The the, the th- other thing that you'll see um, in several places is. You know, you expect those severe, quick weather changes when you're above tree line. And, mm-hmm. and it, it truly does happen. And, um, you know, you always want to have an eye to the weather and, and the possibility of it changing when you're above tree line. Because it comes fast.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing with the Northeast is it's, uh, I think a lot of people underestimate our weather up here.
1: I believe so. Yeah.
0: And once you get above tree line, it's like nothing else. And they're like, oh, it's only, you know. 5,000 feet. It's not a 12,000 footer, but we can get the same weather as those 12,000 footers.
1: That's right. And there's no trees to block that wind. There's no trees to block that precipitation and, um, and your visibility just disappears instantly. And when those three things happen all together, you're in trouble.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And Crazy stuff. Well, good. Thank you for those stories. Um, so let's get into some fire tower talk. You guys are big into the fire towers in New York state and, uh, you have helped a lot in New York state. And of course the big boom in the past three years with the fire tower challenge coming up out of middle of nowhere, you guys have really helped and influenced a lot of people and volunteers. So let's get into some, some talk about the fire towers. When did you, uh, get into, you know, volunteering and doing stuff with the fire towers?
1: Well, I, I, again, my background is, of course, growing up as the uh, observer's daughter. So Balsam Lake has been near and dear to my heart for many years. And I believe Tom and I have been up there
2: oh. uh, 12 well, years. Well, I've only been up, oh, we started in 05. Yeah. So 17.
1: 17 years. Mm. Oh, my, wow. the time flies. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. But, but we were just volunteers uh, there at the fire tower to begin with. And then um, after a couple of years, um, I became the uh, volunteer coordinator, coordinating all of the volunteers. We, we had one year where it was just ourselves, another couple, and one other gentleman, and that's all we had for the whole year. Wow. Um, a lot of people are unaware that the Catskill Fire Tower project started in the late 1990s based upon the fact that. The towers were decommissioned, most of them in the 70s. And then they were just abandoned and, and left to the elements. And if you or I stood on top of a mountain for uh, 20 years in the uh, weather that we get in the Catskills, uh, you'd begin to deteriorate as well. And mm-hmm. local, local people who had looked at these fire towers as, you know, protectors of their communities and historic icons... They, they were very saddened by that. And so they started in each local community um, to say, hey, what can we do to save these towers? And uh, each, local, each local group for the five fire towers, that being Balsam Lake, Red Hill, Hunter, Tremper, and Overlook, they all had different strengths in their local communities. So some people, um, you know, had people who made donations. Some people had... Uh, steel workers, for example, at Balsam Lake, we had steel workers who, who made a stainless steel roof for the tower. Oh, wow. We had uh, people who held uh, concerts and raised money that way, or, or spaghetti dinners, or they sold nice. paintings, you know, whatever each of these grassroots organizations could do to raise funds to restore and repair these towers. And of course, the, the towers are owned by the state of New York and uh, managed by the DEC, so they had to get the DEC um, agreeable and amenable to these restorations. The Catskill Center at the time um, was suggesting that we would have more power if all five fire towers came together in some manner, uh, as opposed to each of the separate five. So the Catskill Fire Tower Project was born, and um, eventually all five fire towers were, in fact, restored, reopened to the public. And the long-range goal, of course, is to keep them all um, maintained and open and to man them with volunteers on weekends from Memorial Day through Columbus Day. And those volunteer stewards um, have numbered in the hundreds since they reopened. And they continue to be out there today, giving up their time hiking and family time and, and uh, meeting and greeting the visitors. And they provide historical interpretation. They provide information on Leave No Trace, where the nearest pizza place is. Uh, mm, you know, there's right. just all kinds of information that passes. And because of the presence of those stewards, I think all five of those mountains have um seen fewer effects than some of the other mountains have um with the uh, increase in users.
0: Of course. Yeah, definitely. The the stewards uh, anywhere in the Catskills, anywhere in the state, anywhere in the United States are a blessing because yes. they help out so much just even like I I just had a talk with Alan Via on here and if you can influence he he says, you know, 25%, I'm like if you can influence one to five percent that is a huge impact yes because those one to five percent could pass it on to another person and then it's a snowball effect every it's just so great and i love we went up to balsam lake one time and colleen was up there okay i think it was colleen she was former vice president or former president of the club Uh uh-huh and she was very nice. And then we went up to tremper one time on the weekend and Matt Atchison's was up there. He was very cool. Yeah. There's two puppies. Yeah. Um, and of course there's Charlie and Alan, which I've met up there. And Charlie is, uh, I don't even know what to say about Charlie. He's, yeah. Yeah. he's the, the man. So. Yeah.
1: And, and before, before him, because the program has been going so long before him, you had Dick Voloshin up there and um you know it's just like i said it's an incredibly um successful program now going over 20 years all volunteers and uh it's it's changed generations now (laughs) yeah yeah and
0: that's great so do you uh with with the fire tower history you said uh the late uh, mid to late 90s is when they were restored
1: yes i think the i think Uh, I know Balsam Lake reopened in 2000 and I want to say Tremper 2001 as the last one, I think.
0: So when was, when was the first like fire tower? Uh, Do you know when the first fire tower was put up in in Catskills? Yes. It
1: it was the very first one was on Balsam Lake. It was in 1887 and it was a wooden Hmm. tower and it was put up by the Balsam Lake club to protect their forestry resources um, so that their lake didn't, uh, was not affected by, s- say, silting up because, you know, trees were burned or whatever, because their fisheries were extremely important to them.
2: And when you say the first in the Catskills, it's, it's definitely the first site in New York and maybe even the entire country.
0: For Balsam Lake?
2: We don't know of any older offhand. Yeah. Wow. Yep.
0: Amazing.
2: There's some towers in cities that were like, meant to look for house fires, but as far as forest fire lookouts go, it, it's the oldest one we know of.
0: Wow. And what, what, I mean, what made them choose Balsam Lake? Why not Graham or Double Top? Was it just because they had the perfect spot to throw up a fire tower?
2: Well, they were probably closer to Balsam, Balsam Lake, of course, is pretty close to Balsam Lake mountain. True. So, and they probably figured, well, it's almost as high. And as I mentioned, it looks out over a great swath of land. If you mm so to speak, turn around from the high peaks. I mean, we, we estimate we can see like 15 miles in any given direction from up there. So the observer would have quite a view.
1: I, I also think uh, we're always learning something new all the time and in uh, 2019 was the centennial of this current steel tower. And uh, while doing some research for that centennial, we were um, given uh, a number of old documents from the Balsam Lake Club. And I, I believe part of the reason for it being on Balsam Lake was simply the ease of someone walking up there to check on it because there weren't trails and roads back then. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was easier to get to that summit than it was to say, get to Bals- uh, to Graham or Doubletop.
0: Okay, cool. That's wicked. Wow! First fire tower, like almost ever. I wonder, wonder if that's true. If if so, that's incredible. So when did your father go up to? When was he? Steward, like not a steward. He was a forest ranger up there, or just no, an observer. Was,
1: so, so that's kind of a common uh, misconception. Uh, the uh, people who worked in the fire towers were fire tower observers. It was actually a position within the conservation department at the time, and then their bosses were the forest rangers. And okay. the, forest, the forest rangers actually uh, usually were in charge of several different fire towers. Um, and uh, they were the people who were on the ground, so to speak, in the valley. So that when the fire tower observers would see smoke, they would report to the ranger and the ranger was the one who would then get the resources there to put the fire out. Either nice. local fire departments or other rangers or whatever.
0: Nice. So, when what what, what period was your father up there?
1: My dad was on Balsam Lake from 1958 to 1972. He was the last wow. full-time observer there. After 1972, it was only manned uh, part-time during uh, times of fi- high fire danger.
0: Oh wow! Awesome. That's crazy. Interesting. So um the past couple of years we know um that the fire tower challenge has made an insane amount of brought a crazy amount of people here up to the Catskills and to the Adirondacks and stuff like that. I mean, I could remember going up to the fire tower and like on trumper and being alone in 2016 I think I went for the first time and being alone the whole day now um, you can you can go up there sometime and get a little privacy but here and there but um, the other cat, the other fire towers, forget about it. Um, how have you like handled this this crazy uproar in the past couple of years? I mean, it just didn't go from like one to 15. It went to one to like 200, 300, 400, like that. It was crazy.
1: Yes. Uh, I, can, I can only really speak for Balsam Lake, but I, I can also only imagine the numbers that they have had and how they manage it at Overlook and, and Hunter we used to see on average, maybe we would see for the days when we are up there stewarding, we used to see maybe 30 or 40 people on a really busy day, we might get up to 50. And then in 2019, the first uh, Catskill Fire Tower Challenge came and it came with all kinds of surprises. There were there were uh, bells and whistles, um, You could get license plates and patches and pins and uh, all kinds of things. And we very quickly went to seeing, uh, doubling those numbers. So we were seeing up to like 60 people a day um, and some cases on nice days, even more than that. Um, One of the first things that we did at Balsam Lake was we actually had to ask for more volunteers and for our current volunteers to um, uh, staff more often. So it, it usually we would have one person on the ground and one person up in the fire tower. We were actually finding that a third volunteer was very helpful um, just to manage dealing with that many people. Um, the other, uh, that was that was from the volunteer standpoint. Um, and then 2020 came next with COVID. <laughs> And and then our numbers soared even higher, and and a couple of the big things that really really happened um, was the impact on the the natural environment and the historical um, structures. Uh, you can't suddenly just start adding that many more people and not find um, an impact. And so our trails were eroding. We have um, some places where our trails were very wet, and uh, people were widening the trails significantly to get around the wet areas. Well,
2: at one place there is a go around around the go around. It yeah. was So bad. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: It's right after Graham, I'm guessing, right? Right after the... Uh,
2: there's a big flat spot at 3,500 feet on our trail. Yes. And it's always muddy, even in dry times. So people go around it. And then in wet times, even that trail got muddy. So they went around that trail too.
1: Yeah. And and we, we also, you know, we were finding there's more wear and tear, of course, on the uh, fire tower structure itself, where the, you know, the stairs are just seeing double, in some cases, triple the traffic. And, uh, so the, the boards are not lasting as long as they once did. Um, we, um, we also seeing that, especially around the summit area, the, the summit of, of Balsam Lake is over 3,700 feet and it's a pretty fragile summit. Bedrock is very close and because there were just so many people, um, the groups that used to sit you know three or four places in the summit there just wasn't room enough for them. So now we're looking mm. at groups of perhaps uh, you know 10 different groups at a time and so they began to spread out from the clearing into the forest and have more of an impact there. And you know that impact takes many years to heal. So so there was there, there were significant uh, impacts seen by all of the uh, increase in visitors.
2: Not to mention the parking lots were overflowing in many places, led to people parking on the road or parking where they in someone's driveway, you know, and we haven't had anybody towed away from Balsam Lake that I know of, but there was, I've heard about more and more places where they're ticketing and towing people away because instead of going somewhere else, they just park on the road, you know? Mm -hmm. double park or do other ridiculous things yeah
1: yeah at at balsam lake for example it's a small narrow town road and when you park cars on both sides of the road uh a there's limited sight distance there uh because it's kind of at the top of the hill and b you have large emergency vehicles like fire trucks and ambulances that simply can't get through um so that that's a big thing as is the the uh, rest, the restroom facilities and or lack thereof. Yeah. So
2: i was going to say the state didn't take any of this into account when they made these challenges, you know?
0: Oh yeah. It's, it stinks. And I remember, I remember being with you, Lori, uh, with the presentation about it and it was, it was tough, but you know, the, the positive let's, let's break off uh, the negative and go to the positive. Yes. Um, people fell in love with the Catskills when they, they go up to that first fire tower and they see that. And Balsam Lake is, a, is to me, one of the, besides Overlook, is a perfect starter because easy way to get up there and it brings you through different forests where um, you don't get that that Balsam Forest up in Overlook. Uh, you do get it in Hunter, but Balsam Lake is an absolute stunning place. So bringing these people, I mean, huge impacts, a huge amount of people, but they fell in love with the, the Catskills and you guys are there to steward them and teach them that, Hey, you know, you do this, do that and stuff like that. And then I'll, like I said, influence them to to love the Catskill. So.
1: And and I totally agree. I totally agree with that. While I, I mentioned the negative impacts from that, I think it has been a fabulous opportunity for us to be able to have so many new people that uh, they're very frank and honest in saying they don't know what they're doing or... or, or, or. <laughs> they don't have a
2: map. or you know. Yes.
1: And like, I, I remember this one woman in particular, she came into the Balsam Lake Clearing. She uh, appeared to be in very good physical condition. Uh, it was a very hot day. She had absolutely no gear or equipment with her. And the first thing she said was, oh my gosh, that is the longest mile and a half I've ever been <laughs> on. And I said, Uh, ma'am, what what made you think it was a mile and a half to get here? And she said, well, the sign says it's three miles. And so she assumed the the trail (laughs) signs meant... There and back a round trip, which you know? none of them ever do. So it's so it's very simple assumptions that those of us who have been doing this for a long time know, and these new people didn't know. And so we've really found that, like I said, we've added some volunteers so that we have. Sometimes we have as many as four volunteers at a time, um, so that we can all really have a conversation with these people because they're hungry for the knowledge. Uh, they want yeah. to do it the right way.
2: So we've yeah, run into that... we've run into people who said uh, we had a difficult time figuring out what what they were talking about, where they were coming from, and where they're going. We finally we realized that they thought they were on Balsam, not Balsam Lake. But the opposite problem too. We were on Balsam once, and somebody asked <laughs> us how far was it to the fire tower. <laughs> they said, well, it's about seven miles, but you can't really get there from here, you know
0: yeah you got three different balsams in the catskills (laughs)
2: right those even a sign unfortunately that says balsam mountain toward balsam balsam lake that the the state has never fixed it yeah
0: yes that's true actually and then i wonder it it stinks because people sign it if you sign into the register it says balsam lake forest at the top doesn't it
1: uh i do believe it does yes
0: yeah so
2: (laughs) had people at, at that parking lot, even though there's a big arrow to the left that says fire tower, have walked out of the parking lot, out the back of the parking lot and up the other side of the mountain, not the other, the a different Book, mountain. And yeah, They walked Ridge. up Dry Book Ridge and went who knows how far before they realized, no, we're, we're on the wrong trail. Oh, and yeah. up to the tower and then some of them have actually admitted this to us, which we, we find funny, but...
0: Not <laughs> so they uh, in in the parking area they went north instead of going across the road right right
2: right yes. they don't realize you have to cross the road yeah even though there's a big <laughs> arrow there
0: oh man. <laughs> well I mean a lot of things you know is is they they get that view I don't I don't think they realize how amazing those views are on the fire towers it's uh it's absolutely stunning and all these fire towers have been fantastic views I mean the, when the people see that view, they get hooked and, and then it leads to so much more, which is, which is great. I mean, to be honest, I used to be one of those guys that, uh, even though I haven't been at it as long as you guys, but you know, like two or three years into it, I'm just like, I don't want anybody to come here. This is, this is my place, stuff like that. Yeah. But then getting in with the club, uh, getting in with volunteering and stuff, you, you have that impact to push people in the right direction yes. and they, mm-hmm. they could take it or leave it, but most people take it, Yes, they do, which is awesome. Yes. Yep. And I, like I said, I was a greedy little guy. I'm just like, this is my area. I don't want people to know about this, but being a volunteer has changed my perspective on that completely. Yeah. And I, I can see why you guys do so much volunteering because it is so much fun. And I, I wish I had the time. I wish I had my job would let me have four days off a week or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you'll get to that point someday in your life.
0: I can't wait. So maybe, maybe. So what? Let's. Uh, we we really didn't, didn't go over the the FFLA, the Forest Fire. What is it again?
1: So it's the Forest Fire Lookout Association. Lookout Association. And again, it's a uh, nationwide, all volunteer uh, group that was formed in 1990 to preserve and protect not just the fire tower structures, but also their history and their, uh, the persons who worked on them. And there are chapters throughout um, the state of New York, or this, the state of New York, yeah, sorry, the United mm-hmm. States, as well as uh, Australia, Canada, Um, There's, there's lots of activity um, in terms of these fire tower geeks who love to protect fires fire towers. And uh, I'm not sure how many years I've been doing this now but uh, basically throughout the state of New York we just try to uh, support the work of already existing friends groups or we try to work with whatever um, the owner may be of the fire tower to help them with whatever the the needs might be. It might be restoration. It might be painting over graffiti. Um, It might be um, encouraging the development of a new friends group, whatever whatever their needs may be. Um, The state of New York had over 100 fire towers at one point in time. Uh, Now, um, as of, As As, as of this past week, um, I believe our 73rd fire tower is now standing in the state. Whoa. So we still have quite a few and there, some of them are private and you can't visit, but um, we just had a new one put up in speculator this past weekend. I Uh, remember seeing
0: that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So, so uh, the work continues. It continues with all volunteers uh, we, uh, with the FFLA, hold uh, several agreements with the state of New York for a variety of fire towers, and uh, we h- have steward programs at some of those fire towers. At some, we, uh, our agreement just calls for us to um, perhaps put new wood landing and step boards on, or perhaps to paint over graffiti. Uh, there's a wide variety of things we do, and we're able to do that because we have a fabulous group of volunteers who are willing to give up their time and help. It's, it's a lot of fun. Like you said, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. The community coming together and the people coming together is, is, is absolutely awesome. I've been, I've been following that speculator one uh, for a while and it's so, it's so cool. It's just wicked. And I'm, I'm super excited for Bramley Mount. I can't wait for that to to get up there.
1: The Bramley mountain group is uh, working real hard and uh, we hope, we hope that's going up very soon.
0: And that there's one that's uh, north of me that, that just opened up to the public. Is that the Berry Hill?
1: That's correct. Berry, tower? Berry Hill in Shenango County, yes. Okay. We do have the uh, agreement with the state for that, and we have a great group of volunteers who are out there stewarding, and, and it's, it's a tower that is accessible. So um, if we have somebody who has accessibility issues, we can uh, actually um, get them right to the base of that tower. Um, wow. And the cabin, the Observer's cabin has also been restored and is open.
0: Sweet. I was, I was, I think I, I knew about that beforehand, but I knew it was closed to the public because I've read stuff online.
2: It was open last year.
0: Are there any in Oxego County that we're going to open up?
1: No, there, <laughs> there are not, unfortunately. No. Okay. The, the only thing that might happen there is if Leonard Hill were to be taken down and returned to Gilbert Lake State Park. Oh, wow. That's where it originally came from.
0: Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. That would be pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, it would be great to have one smack dab in the middle of like uh, right outside of Oriana and our rolling hills and
1: stuff. I mean,
0: what a great view that would be.
1: There was one outside of Skaneva's Hooker Hill, but that's been taken down.
0: Oh, I've looked into Hooker Hill State Forest. I really want to go there. Yep. Excellent. So uh, what's the, you know... (laughs) A lot of people, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff online about crazy things they've seen at the fire towers. I remember one of my friends said she saw two people up in the cabin doing something, which is pretty scary. Um, what is the craziest thing you guys ever seen at a fire tower?
2: Well, um, it was kind of late afternoon and this train of young women came marching into the clearing. They were all wearing dresses. They all had hiking boots on, I must say. They did they did bring some gear with them. And at some point we realized they had bathing suits under their dresses. And the, the first one in line said, Where's Balsam Lake? And I said, Well, it's not at the top of the mountain, you know, it's <laughs> down at the bottom of the mountain and it's on private property. And after they stopped swearing, uh, <laughs> we 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 explained to them that, you know, you, you you're not allowed to go there. It's part of the Balsam Lake Club. So there, there's basically, uh, you know, there's no swimming around here to be had, right, unless you drove all the way to Alder Lake or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it turned out it was a bachelorette party, and they were all on a softball team together. So they decided to make the best of it. So they busted out their softballs and gloves and proceeded to play catch in, in the clearing. All the while wearing dresses, mind you. Mm-hmm. They didn't actually have a game, but uh, then they busted out a whole bunch of food and uh, adult beverages, shall we say? And they even had ice cream that they kept in a cold pack with, like, with CO two. Yeah. And they were they they were just having a blast, you know. But at <laughs> some point, I realized, you know. It's, it's getting late girls, you know, do you have any headlamps? And the answer was no. So I said, no. you really got to leave soon because it's going to get dark and you don't have any way to see if, if it gets too dark and you're still on the trail. So we almost had to like, hustle them out of there, but, uh, you know, it was, it was nothing illegal, but it was <laughs> it certainly was, uh, unusual.
1: When they pulled the pitcher of freshly sque- squeezed lime juice um, with ice and the bottle of gin out of their backpacks, I said, oh, these girls are very well organized. I must say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. That's pretty wicked. I wonder, did you ever ask them who thought of this thing for a bachelorette party?
1: (laughs) The one girl uh, just said, "I I just missed on my research." You know, I mean, she—they were from quite a ways away, and they had, you know, gotten the driving directions correct and everything except where that lake was.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God, that's pretty wicked, though. I mean, that's a hell of a bachelorette party.
1: Oh yeah, they were having a good time.
0: (laughs) Instead of going out to the bars, you played softball on the top of a, a 3,700 foot mountain, the Catskills.
1: Yeah,
0: that's pretty sweet. <laughs> Anything else?
1: I, I do have one crazy story, but I'm, I'm really hoping that your listeners um, don't recognize themselves. Tom and I were leaving, leading a 3,500 club hike to Hunter Mountain. And on the summit of the mountain, one of the hike participants asked me a question which really (laughs) made me step back a moment. It seems that he had lost his pet goldfish very recently and um, he thought he his final resting place should be the summit of Hunter Mountain and so he asked me if he could if it would be okay if he buried his goldfish up there (laughs) and and I I didn't really know how to answer that. I mean, I don't know how many times the goldfish had come to the Summit of Hunter with him. But yeah. Why he wanted it there, I don't know. But that was, that was kind of a bizarre um, question.
0: This, this was an adult?
1: It was an adult,
0: <laughs> okay. I think I could see a nine-year-old kid doing that, but not an adult. <laughs> oh man. Interesting. Did you just be like like uh leave no trace, but uh, you know,
1: no, R.I.P. <laughs> no, yes, I said, well, you know, um I'm gonna step over here, sir. Um, you know, you you can do whatever. <laughs> just...
0: Should have had like a memorial, everybody singing. Uh, yes, like... we
1: should have sang. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is wicked. <laughs> So wow, a bunch of softball players playing softball on the mountain and a, a burial ground for a, a goldfish. That is definitely different. I love it. I can't say because I because I hike on the on the Tuesdays, I can't say I see any of that because it's always empty up there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I gotta start volunteering sometime.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> up there. Excellent. So a big thing I like to do with uh the, my my people I interview is. How can we help? How can the listeners help? How can we spread the word?
1: I, I think the most important thing that, that you can do is to, every chance you get, and I know you do a fabulous job of it, actually, and that is to tell people how much fun it is to volunteer. There is just so much work to do. And there seems to be so many limited resources, and, and there is a way for everyone to get involved, <coughs> Some people aren't comfortable chatting with others, so being a steward doesn't work well for them. But that person might be on the SAR team and be an extremely great team member. Or that person might be somebody who can go out and they can dig water bars all day and be very satisfied by doing that. There is an opportunity for everyone to volunteer and you don't need to do it every weekend to make an impact. You can, you can go out and volunteer once or twice a year and it is helpful. Um, So that's, that's the best thing that you can do is to keep pushing that spirit of volunteerism in everybody.
0: Yes, definitely. And I will keep doing that because once again, I was one of those people that didn't want to anybody to do anything with these mountains. Now I'm just like, if you're going to treat the mountains with respect, come on in.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So excellent. I will post every volunteer thing i can on this show note right here then i will definitely do that so um well thank you for talking about the fire towers i really appreciate it thank you for your help with the fire towers and your involvement you guys are a huge impact on the fire towers in new york state mostly in the catskills but new york state definitely i appreciate it
1: very
0: well um so let's talk about uh, your, organ. Uh, I don't know what, it, what to call it, your organization or your, your patch. It's right. You guys got a patch for this called Views and Brews, correct?
2: Yeah. We've had our patch a lot longer than most of these Johnny-come-latelys, I must say. <laughs> so, so back in um uh, uh, I had just finished my first round of, of the 35ers, and we went to a I guess it wasn't a brew pub, but we went to a beer bar to celebrate. And someone said, you know, I, of course I just earned the 3500 club patch, right? And I, I don't remember if someone handed me one at the top or not, but I'd earned it. So someone said, since we're sitting there drinking beer, there ought to be a patch for hiking and drinking beer. And I was like, <laughs> I can make that happen. So <laughs> it, it just like struck me, you know, it was like, yes. I can make that happen. So I, I started doing some research. There was actually a book about all the brew pubs in New York state at the time. It's way out of date now, of course, but nice. Uh, got a webpage together and uh, we launched it at the tap New York beer festival uh, in April of that year, 2004. Yeah. Wow. So the idea is you do a hike, and we have suggested hikes on the web page but you can do any hike you want of at least a mile and typically the hike is nearby the brew pub and then you go to the brew pub afterwards typically but you don't have to i mean you can go the night before whatever and that counts as as one unit right and you need you need to do this depending on what state you're you're trying to accomplish you need to do it a, X number of times. So in New York, it's 30. 30 uh-huh. sounds like a lot, but there's 150 brew pubs in New York State now. So it's only 20%. If I made you go to all of them, that would be a pretty daunting task. So yeah. I, I cut it off. If a state gets too big, I just say, all right, 30. But for instance, uh, Delaware, I think there's only like six. So you could go down there and do the whole thing in a weekend if you wanted to. Nice. Um,
0: how many states do you have?
2: Oh, let's see. There's at least a dozen. I mean, pretty much the oh, entire wow. northeast, going down into Delaware, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Um, we and and the idea it, it's kind of like little wildfires pop up sometimes, right? In the forest fire. Well, we had someone say, "I want to do Illinois," and I was like, "Great!" You know, I'll help you. And she did like ninety nine percent of the work, right? Oh, wow. there's a there's an Illinois chapter and then someone else said i've already done uh, alaska here you go here's all the information I was like, <laughs> awesome you know
0: that's then, so cool
2: then i met a guy who does something very similar in new mexico and and he basically already had the list that i wanted right we just had to uh, he, he doesn't distinguish between breweries and brew pubs mm-hmm. but so all we had to do was, was pick out which were which and that list was pretty much done too so, I love it when people step up to the plate and say, I'd like to help you, right? So, I, I had a guy help me with uh, Vermont. Um, I've had a lot of help with uh, Maine. Quebec. We had, oh, yeah. We, had three, we, had, no we have three different Canadian chapters, too. There's Prince Edward Island, <laughs> Ontario, and Quebec. And those were, again, I did almost nothing, right? I just took the information they gave me and slapped it out on the webpage. And so, I'll say it's growing slowly, right? Interestingly enough, the most popular state we have is New Hampshire. We've had about 70 people have fulfilled the requirements for New Hampshire. Wow. Um, and, you know, I didn't launch it there. I don't live there. But again, the, the, the wildfire has spread there somehow. And it, it, most of the people, I've never heard of them before, you know. At first, it was people that I knew, you know, like friends on Facebook, right? Or mm-hmm. friends from the hiking world. But now, and I, this, I don't get me wrong. This is great. You know, it's like people just pop up and say, oh, I finished New York recently. Or, oh, I finished Connecticut recently. And for five bucks, I'll, I'll send you a patch. Right. And I've never raised my rates.
0: Wow. Impressive. I never knew that you we were all over the place. I thought it might have been just Vermont, New Hampshire, New York.
2: Uh, like I said, uh, New Hampshire, New York get the most traffic and there's. I you know I have a list of finishers for every state and I don't know Maine probably only has a handful you know New Jersey Connecticut mm. um, some states it's just Lori and I
0: <laughs> nice <laughs>
2: like, uh, we we ended up doing um, Nevada too Ooh. we were we did that one ourselves we didn't have a lot of help with that one but it turns out that virtually all the brew pubs are either in Reno or Las Vegas and. We had occasion to visit both of those towns. So we we're like, okay, let's figure out where all the brew pubs are. And they were all nearby, right? I think the, the farthest one was like a half an hour away. So even though wow. Nevada is huge, it's mostly empty. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's mostly yeah. it's mostly mountains and desert, actually. Beautiful mountains but, and deserts. You know, yes. We 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 learn a lot from doing this. You know, we we research where where's the good hikes and, and we also rely on people to tell us. What they think is a good hike and i'll be glad to replace a hike if they say oh this one's better you know it has better views or whatever
0: mm.
2: uh and we we've kind of become poster child for uh i love new york nice so we've been all over new york we've been to long island we've been up in plattsburgh we've been on the southern tier we've been out to uh niagara falls um and new york is just amazing and you know i i, I kind of knew that but the more we travel the more it's like there's all these diverse places to go like there's this place have you ever heard of called eternal flame falls
0: yep that's up in the finger lakes correct or Uh, west it's
2: sort of there it's sort of there and it's, it's about an hour east of buffalo so you could say it's in the finger lakes
0: yeah it's near there
2: so you get there and it's a waterfall but if you listen carefully you can hear a hissing sound and it's natural gas hissing out of the rocks so if you flick your BIC and hopefully you, you don't get too big an explosion, now the, <laughs> you have this little, uh, flame behind the falls. Right. And I don't know why they call it eternal flame, but it's not very big. It kind of looks, I guess it kind of looks like the eternal flame in Washington mm. honors the, uh, those who died in the war. Yeah. But, uh, when we arrived, it was already on fire. So there was no big explosion when we got there, but, mm. uh, it is kind of cool. I mean, who knew, right? Maybe you, I I never knew. And so sometimes our hikes, you know, if you go to New York city and there's a brew pub, well, where's the mountain, right? There is no mountain. So we had to get creative. So we said, okay, let's walk across the Brooklyn bridge and you can literally walk on top of the cars. The promenade is above the the car traffic. And uh, then you get on the other side, you get to Brooklyn and it's actually called the Brooklyn Promenade. And you walk along, there's like million dollar houses on yeah. one side. And then the other side is a spectacular view of the Manhattan skyline. So Worth sometimes uh, sometimes you don't gain a lot of elevation and, and sometimes you do, right? Mm-hmm. But it's always about going for a hike somewhere. And sometimes it's on the beach, right? Sometimes it's a rail trail. And most of the time, of course, it's at least some kind of mountain. And then finding a place to have a cold one. And, and when I say brew pub, I mean a place that serves beer, but they also serve their own food too. I'm so,
1: hungry. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're hungry
2: when we're done hiking, you know? Yes. So I've had a lot of people will send me, like, oh, this brewery is awesome. And I'm like, it is awesome, but they all they have is a jar of pretzels. So, you know, that doesn't put a mustard. Right? Yeah. Or it could be the other way around. I get people say, this is a great beer bar. And they have food, but I'm like, well, they don't brew their own beer. you know. So I try to be specific about what a brew pub is on our webpage, but I'm always getting people sending me things that are close, as well as things that qualify. Like right now, the big thing is uh, food trucks. And I'm like, well, that's awful close, but the food truck could come tomorrow or it might not come tomorrow, mm-hmm. or they could have a falling out, right? I mean, if, if they own the food truck and it's it's a permanent food truck, that's, that's fine. But otherwise, it's like, if it's two separate people with two separate businesses, then you just never know, right? I had a problem in New York City where there was a brew pub. Well, there was a, a bar, I guess you'd have to call it, that shared a building with a brewery. And I thought, well, they they serve beer in the same building that they brew it, right? And they have food. so is that a brew pub? And I'm, I, so I convinced myself that it was. Well, it turned out someone went there and came back and said, uh, they don't serve their beer there anymore. They had a falling out. <laughs> so even though they're in the same building, you can't buy their beer anymore at the bar. And so it was, it was a, yeah, you know, I guess they must've had a, a big argument with each other and said, you know, yeah. No pound sand, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that was that was my question of what's the difference between a brewer and a brew pub. So now I really like brew pubs because I'm not a big beer guy, but I am a big food guy after a hike. So,
2: yeah. well, we don't you know, you don't have to get drunk when you go. We, As a matter of fact, we encourage people to be responsible. Of course, have a DD and whatever.
1: A lot of places actually brew their own uh, sodas. too. Yeah, you can especially get root, root, beer, root beers. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't want
2: to, I don't want to say a lot, but I actually have a, a challenge out there that no one has uh, completed yet is to, you know, visit five, uh, for, for miners, right, to visit five places that brew their own non-alcoholic beverage.
0: Wicked. Get Luna on that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, you know, pretzels are fine, but we're hungry and we're thirsty. And yeah. all I ask is that, you, is that you try a beer. And I'm not You know, I don't go out on views and brews and say, oh, this was the best beer ever, and this one sucks. I try to be agnostic, right? Mm -hmm. Because I might have a different taste than you do, right? Someone might like lagers, and someone else might like IPAs or porters or stouts or whatever. So as as views and brews, I don't judge. But if you want to ask me privately, I'll be glad to tell you which beers suck and which don't.
0: (laughs) Well, that's good. That's good to hear.
2: Excellent, but again, it's just my opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. I didn't know all that information. I'm glad you uh, told that. Let's hope uh, people get on that wagon and do some views and brews. I've yeah. I've heard good things about it, though. So, excellent.
2: Well, we, yeah, we used to have a, a gathering. I called it every year, but it got, it got to the point where it was just like Laurie and me and one other, one or two other people. So we don't really do that anymore. It's mostly a roll-your-own thing. Mm. We do a Facebook page and the web page has all the information you need to get started. And anybody can, can go out there and post and say, you know, I'm going to so-and-so next month or next week. Does anybody want to join me kind of thing? Sweet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I will post those. I will put those in the show notes. Definitely. That is wicked. Um, Excellent. I think that's, uh, that's all I have. Do you guys have anything to say?
1: No, I just want to thank you for uh, what you do for promoting the Catskills and volunteerism and and your participation in SAR and other such things as well. Thank, thank you. you. I
0: appreciate, appreciate it. it. Uh, you guys have influenced me uh, once again. A lot of people, um, I call you guys legends. Of course, you guys, everybody denies it, but you are legends to to influence us to to be better for the mountains. So thank you guys. Once,
2: one hundred percent. Well, if that's the our case pleasure. thank, thank you. you and I I doubt if we'll uh, our legacy will live on very much past our Oh no point. I
1: I do want a bridge named after me absolutely
0: <laughs> I'll get one of those bridges uh named after I'll make my own rock bridge or something
2: like okay, that Okay thank you <laughs> Oh you know as a, as a matter of fact we talked about that flat spot on the way up Balsam Lake mm-hmm. the, the money spot I do call that Tom's pond so maybe yes. that'll stick
0: <laughs> Okay I'll take a picture every time I go up there and I'll post it and be like Tom's pond Okay Okay. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I'd like to thank everyone who has donated. Thank you very much. Uh, Before we leave, uh, you guys really helped me influence me to keep going. Everyone who's listening, hopefully they take in all this volunteer information and they take it and then pass it on and take it to themselves and do it for themselves because it's a great time. Um, Subscribe on any platform. Uh, Look me up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I have a website as well. If you have the time, shoot me a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use. I will be posting show notes about the FFLA, um, views and brews, whatever I can for volunteering. Lori and Tom, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, Sorry it took so long, but I am glad we got together. And I thank you for everything you have done in the Catskills and the Adirondacks and the Northeast. Thank you. Excellent. Well, have a good night. And I will. Are you guys going to be at the club dinner? Uh,
1: actually, Tom will be. I will not. My granddaughter's graduation party is Saturday.
2: Excellent. I'll uh, we'll be doing double duty. I'll go to <laughs> he's,
1: both. He's going to go for a little while, but I, I really can't duck out.
0: Okay. Excellent. Well, I will see you at the club dinner, Tom, and I will see you later, Lori.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Thanks so much. All
0: right. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.